Our reading this morning is from the prophet Isaiah in the 55th chapter. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for God has glorified you. Seek the Lord while God might be found. Call upon God while God is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that God might have mercy on them. And to our God, for God will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, This week I was reading about hiking in the Grand Canyon. I've never been to the Grand Canyon personally, but... It's something I'd love to do uh, someday, maybe when the boys are older and can actually like come join me on a hike there. But as I was reading about it this week, I discovered something really fascinating about the park there. Along the trail, as you're hiking through certain parts of the canyon, apparently they have these signs posted that say, stop and drink water. You're thirsty, although you may not know it. And the reason they have these signs up is because in the southwest United States, as with other places that are really hot and dry, or when you're at dry, high altitudes hiking as well, uh, when you sweat, that actually evaporates right off of your skin. So you don't ever feel like you're sweating, even though you're losing lots and lots of the hydration you put in your body. It's really different from like a humid Michigan summer where when we sweat, we can see it on our skin. We know that we are dehydrated because you can actually see it. When you're hiking in hot, dry places, you don't even know how dehydrated you're getting because you don't see it on your body. So the national park has gone ahead and put up these signs. You need to stop here and drink water because you're thirsty, but you may not realize it. And when I read that at first, I thought like, that's kind of crazy that you would be thirsty and not actually know it, uh, that you wouldn't like feel thirsty. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized like this is something that I do every day all the time. I think we ignore our most basic physical needs when we get caught up and distracted by something else. And I may just be speaking for myself because I'm a mom of three little kids who demand a lot of attention. But I notice in the regular course of my day, by the time I come home from work until the kids go to bed at 7 or 8 at night, sometimes I'll find when I sit down that I haven't eaten or had a sip of water or gone to the bathroom since I got the kids home from school at 4 p.m. And I've needed to use the restroom since 4 p.m. I just haven't stopped to actually go because I'm chasing kids around and I'm totally distracted. I think it's pretty normal for us to ignore or not even realize our own needs 
when we're focusing on other things. It would be sort of nice if I had signs up around my house that said things like, stop, go to the bathroom right now. You may not know it, but you need to go. It would be sort of a nice reminder. And the prophet Isaiah, this is kind of what he's saying to the people of God in this passage here. He's sort of saying two things to them. The first thing he's saying is exactly what that sign says. He's saying, you know what? You people are thirsty. You may not realize it, but you need water. So stop. Drink this water. Eat this good food. There's this festive meal, wine and milk and rich foods, which are set out for you without cost. Come and eat. You're hungry. You don't even know how hungry you are. You're spending money on things that aren't bread. You're wasting your time on things that don't satisfy you. So just stop. You are physically and spiritually dehydrated, and you need to come to this table. And then the second thing that he does is he continues on as the people have sort of gathered, and they're sitting there drinking and eating. And then he invites them to go a step further. Don't just come to the table and eat. But let's think about how we go from the table to serve in God's kingdom. It's not just about filling your own needs here at the table, he says. He says it's also about making sure that other people's needs are tended to as well. So come, drink some water. You're very thirsty. Eat some of the food that God has provided for you. But then let's go out. Let's remember that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. God's ways and thoughts are so much higher. And it sort of makes me pause and think, like, yeah, God certainly cares about our own physical earthly needs. There's this reason that Isaiah is inviting everyone to a table that he's using this imagery of eating and drinking. It's foundational to who we are as human beings. And then he immediately switches gears from this very sort of concrete physical example to this idea that God's ways are not our ways. It's sort of this very ethereal idea. And I think what Isaiah is pointing us to is this idea that dealing with our own needs is the same thing as looking outward to seek what God's thoughts are for this world. It sort of reminded me as I was reading um, of those instructions that you get on airplanes uh, when they tell you like if the cabin depressurizes, what you're supposed to do is you put the mask on yourself first and then you help the person next to you. That's kind of what Isaiah is saying here. He's saying to you, come to this table, eat and drink, and then make sure that other people are invited as well. Put your own mask on first and then help the person next to you. Now at the point that Isaiah is writing this to the people of God, the people are in exile out in Babylon. They're far away from their homeland. And there's kind of two things happening with the people at this point in time. They've lost all hope that they're ever going back to Israel. They just have sort of come to be comfortable with the idea that they are going to integrate with the Babylonians and that is going to become their new land and their new God. They're kind of losing touch with what it means to be the people of God, to live in the land of Israel. And the second thing that's happening to the people at this point in time is that as they're integrating more and more with the Babylonians, they're starting to experience more and more division within their own society, within their own people. So Isaiah, we know from the chapters around chapter 55, he starts pointing out to them, you know, some of you have more than enough to eat. You are eating these fabulous, huge feasts every day. You have food to spare, and yet you're seeking more. And other people, they're starving. They don't even have bread for their table. 
Isaiah is well known for pointing out these sort of injustices and imbalances that are starting to creep into the life of the people of Israel, that their resources are not distributed evenly or even fairly for the people. And so their situation, and this passage from Isaiah that we read today, this idea that we would come to the table to eat and then we would turn outward to look for what God's ways and God's thoughts might be, it sort of begs this question like, well, what are God's ways? What are God's thoughts? As we sit and enjoy this feast, what does it mean to consider the world around us? What is, what is God asking from the people in this chapter of Isaiah? What is God asking from us? Now, the people of Israel, when they heard Isaiah say these words, they went ahead and did exactly what we would do here. They made it really, really complicated. They went ahead and made God's thoughts as difficult to follow as they possibly could. They started to think about ritual sacrifice. You know, like, when I go to the temple, I need exactly this kind of pigeon. And I'm going to need three goats, but they don't need any blemishes. And I'm going to need exactly the right kind of cow and six sheep and... We can only go on this particular day of the year, and only this priest can go into that room to offer this sacrifice to God. Their religion got very, very heavy and complicated. And we sort of do the same thing sometimes. Sometimes we think that God's way is following the right dogma, believing the right thing, doing the right practice. We see it um, in little ways in our own worship service, like, you know, who can serve communion on a Sunday morning? Like, we all know that the pastor breaks the bread, but who gets to pass the plates? We must make sure we're doing this the right way. Or what hymns should we sing? And can we say the word alleluia during the season of Lent? We have these small questions of worship, and then we have these big questions of theology. We have these questions about, you know, who is Jesus really? Is he the Son of God? If you have that question, I have about 16 books in my office, each at least 500 pages long, of old, dead, white guys talking about who Jesus really is and how to properly believe in who Jesus is. We make this so complicated for ourselves. We really want to think about doing things the right way, and we're so convinced that God's thoughts are so much higher than ours. That must mean God's thoughts are so complicated. We have to do this the right way. Now, some of this is a bit hyperbolic. I mean, we really don't twist ourselves into terrible knots, at least here in this congregation, about who serves communion the right way or precisely the right piece of theology. I'm sure a few of my sermons have strayed toward the heretical, and no one has yet uh, pitched me up on a stake out on the front lawn for that. But... I sort of wonder, when I'm reading this passage from Isaiah, if the people of Israel in making their religion so complicated, and even us just trying to get our religious ducks in a row, if really the answer is a lot simpler than we make it out to be. I mean, what if Isaiah is using these images of eating and drinking somewhat literally? What if Isaiah is telling us that God's thoughts are primarily concerned with people being fed? What if God's way is to be concerned and make sure that our sisters and brothers in Flint have safe and clean water to drink? What if God is less worried about our orthodox worship practice on Sunday morning and our right theology, and God is more focused on making sure that people aren't sleeping on the streets in Ann Arbor when it's so cold outside? I mean, what if Isaiah is being literal here? What if this is really about feeding people? I mean, I think 
worship done well is tremendously important. I'm not trying to belittle the importance of worship. I think coming here on a Sunday morning, singing our songs, listening to our story, thinking about the way that we practice our religion together, I think that's one way that our souls are fed, that we are filled up to go out in the world and serve God's people. It really does actually matter to me that we have gluten-free bread that many people can enjoy that actually tastes good at our communion table. That's not an insubstantial question to me because worship matters. It's a way of filling our souls. But I think our souls hunger for a lot more than good worship or right doctrine alone because right worship is sort of empty unless it leads us into practicing our faith well in the world around us. And I think sometimes this transition between good worship and right practice is where we get ourselves hung up. This is where we start to make things way more complicated than it needs to be. Because the needs of the human community around us, we see them. They're obvious in this world. Like, if people are hungry, we should feed them. If children need coats, well, then if we have an extra coat, we should give it out and make sure that kids aren't cold. If the water is poisoned with lead, we should make sure people have clean water to drink, and then we should get the pipes fixed. Like, these are not, on one hand, all, of, all that complicated of issues. If someone's lonely, we should befriend them. But the problem for us is that we often don't stop there, and quite rightly, we don't often stop there, because these issues are bigger than just feeding people who are hungry or making sure water is easy for people to drink. And Flint is a particularly good and relevant, tangible example for us. We're just a few miles down the road. On one hand, the need is very, very obvious, right? Like, people need clean, safe water to drink. And so we go and we deliver water bottles, or we uh, take up water filters. There are plenty of churches and nonprofits and other groups involved with handing out water filters right now, right? This is a great way to serve that community. They're really trying to make sure that these children in Flint aren't damaging their bodies and their minds with ingesting lead. So that's like the easy response. But Flint isn't just that easy, right? This is a much bigger issue. Flint didn't just wake up one morning to poison water and like, oh, well, let's go deliver some water bottles and call it good. This is a situation that, as you all know, touches on outdated infrastructure but the community hasn't had the money to fix their infrastructure, so that's an issue. There's this issue of people not knowing whether or not they can trust their city and the state leaders to tell them the truth about their water or to deal faithfully with the cleanup from that. There's this question about whether or not people should still be charged utility bills for the water coming in their house if they can't drink it. And uh, I learned this really fun fact a couple weeks ago. If you are a parent in the city of Flint and you decide you're not going to pay your water bill because the water coming in is unusable for you in your household, if as a parent you decide not to pay your utility bill, the Department of Children, Child and Family Services at the state level can come in and take your children from you because you're not providing water in your home, which means you're not providing for the basic needs of your child. Now, they haven't done that, but the fact that you could do that for not paying for poisoned water that's coming into your home and you still have to go out and either find or purchase bottled water to make sure your children are safe, that's a complicated and difficult situation to find yourself in. And our response as Christians is necessarily complicated by that situation. I mean, yeah, let's take water and let's support groups who are bringing filters in, but is that enough? Of 
course that's not enough. Of course there is more work that we are called to do. And what Isaiah is saying here is that our response as Christians, our response as the people of God, it has times to be complicated and to think through every facet of the situation, but there are other times when we simply need to think about the actual basic issues here, the needs of the human community. I mean, everyone has these. We need to be loved. We need to be fed, and we need to have water. We need to be warm and have shelter. He's sort of saying a community without these basic things, a community without justice, is not a community that is following God's ways or hearing God's thoughts. So, you know, it gets complicated, but we need to stop thinking about everything on this, like, big, we can't do anything, so we should do nothing level. Isaiah's saying, you know what, things are complicated, but you should still feed people along the way. And I wonder if the invitation of this passage for us in this season of Lent is twofold. I wonder if the first invitation is to our own souls, our own selves, to say, you know what, stop. This week, take a moment, take a deep breath, listen to yourself, listen to your own hunger or thirst, physically or spiritually, whatever that looks like, and find a way of sitting down at God's table to drink the milk and the wine, to eat the rich foods that are offered, to deal with our own hunger and thirst, both literally and figuratively here. But then, to take a step further than that, after we've been filled at God's table, to ask ourselves that question, what are the needs of God's community where God's thoughts are right now? Where are God's words? Where are God's thoughts directed? We should look around and then start to take seriously the thirst and the needs of others. And when we see someone who has a need around us, not to pause and sort of talk ourselves out of it with all of the complexity of the situation and all the many layers of difficulty that people might be going through, not to rationalize the, away the real and necessary need of another person, but to actually just figure out how to care for them in that singular moment. You pass someone on the street who is asking for change, and maybe you go in and buy him a cup of coffee because that cup of coffee for a moment will slake their thirst, it will fill them up, it will warm them up for just a moment. It's a need that someone has and an easy way to fill it for a moment, to offer them the love of Christ. Just stop and think about a way of filling people up in the world around you. Take a drink, fill your own, or satiate your own thirst, and then turn out around you See where God's sights are set and offer a glass of water to those people in the community around you. I think this is the invitation of Isaiah for every one of us here today in this season of Lent to simply drink and be filled and then look for ways to fill the world around us. Thanks be to God. Amen.